0: Okay, so let's get started. I'm actually going to put the prequel and chapter one together. Because the prequel is kind of short. So, let's get started with Sundays at Tiffany's by James Patterson. Prologue, James Michael. Michael was running as fast as he could, racing down thickly congested streets towards New York Hospital. Jane was dying there when suddenly a scene from the past came flashing back to him, a dizzying rush of overpowering memories that nearly knocked him out of his sneakers. He remembered sitting with Jane in the Astoria Court at the St. Regis Hotel and the two of them under circumstances too improbable to imagine. He remembered everything perfectly, Jane's hot fudge and a coffee ice cream Sunday, what they had talked about as if it had happened yesterday. All of it almost impossible to believe. No, definitely impossible to believe. It was just like every other unfathomable mystery in life. Michael couldn't help thinking as he ran harder and faster. Like Jane dying on him now, after everything they had been through, to be together. Part 1. Once Upon a Time in New York. Chapter 1. Every detail of those Sunday afternoons is locked in my memory, but instead of explaining me and Michael right off, I'll start with the world's best, most luscious, and and possibly most sinful ice cream sundae, as served at the St. Regis Hotel in New York City. It was always the same. Two fist-sized scoops of coffee ice cream swirled swirled with a river of hot fudge sauce the kind that gets thicker, gooier, and chewy when it hits the ice cream. On top of that, real whipped cream. Even at eleven at eight years old, I could tell the difference between real whipped cream and the fake oh non dairy product you squirt from a can. Across from me at my table in Estor Court was Michael, hands down, the handsomest man I knew or ever have ever known for that matter also the nicest the kindest and probably the wisest <clears throat> that day his bright green eyes watched me gaze at the sunday with undisguised delight as a white coated waiter set it in front of me with tantalizing slowness for michael a clear glass bowl with melon balls and lemon sherbet His ability to deny himself the pleasure of a Sunday was something my child's brain couldn't wrap itself around. "'Thanks so much,' Michael said, adding extreme politeness to his list of enviable qualities, to which the waiter said, "'Not a word.'" Mr. Court was the place to go for a fancy dessert at the St. Regis Hotel. That afternoon, it was filled with important-looking people having important-looking conversations. In the background, two symphony worthy violinists fiddled away as if they were as if this were Lincoln Center. Okay, Michael said. Time to play the Jane and Michael game. I caught my hands together, my eyes lighting up. Here's how it worked. One of us pointed to a table, and the other had to make up stuff about the people sitting there. The loser paid for dessert. Go, he said, pointing. I looked at the three teenage girls dressed in nearly identical pale yellow linen dresses. Without hesitation, I said, debutantes, first season, just graduated from high school, maybe in Connecticut, possibly, probably Greenwich. Michael tilted his head back and laughed, you're definitely spending too much time around adults. Very good though, Jane. Point for you. Okay, I said, gesturing towards another table. That couple over there. The ones who look like cleavers and leave it to beaver. What's their story? The man was wearing a gray and blue checkered suit. The woman, a bright pink jacket with green, with a green pleated skirt. Husband and wife from North Carolina. Michael brought it off easily. Wealthy. Owner chain of tobacco shops. He He's here on business. She came to do some shopping. Now he's telling her that he wants a divorce. Oh, I said, looking down at the table. I let out a deep breath, then took another spoonful of sundae and let the rich flavor unfold in my mouth. Yeah, I guess everyone gets divorced. Michael bit his lip. Oh, wait, Jane. I got it all wrong. He's not asking for a divorce. He's telling her that he has a surprise. He's made arrangements for them to go on a cruise to Europe on the QE2. It's their second honeymoon... That's a much better story, I said, smiling. You get a point. Excellent. I looked down at my plate and saw that somehow my ice cream sundae had completely vanished, as it always did. Michael looked around the room dramatically. Here's one you won't get, he said. He pointed to a man and a woman just two tables away. I looked over. The woman was about forty years old, well-dressed, and stunningly pretty. She might have taken you might have taken her for a movie actress, to wore a bright red designer dress and matching shoes and a big black pocketbook. Everything about her said, look at me. The man she was with was younger, pale, and very thin. He was wearing a blue blazer and a patterned silk ascot, which I don't think anyone was wearing even back then. He waved his arms enthusiastically as he spoke. That's not funny, I said, but I he couldn't help grinning and rolling my eyes. Because, of course, the couple was my mother, Vivian Margox, and the famous Broadway producer, and the years, that year's celebrity hairdresser, Jason. Jason the Hot House Flower, who didn't have time for a last name. I looked around at them again. One thing was for sure, my mother was beautiful enough to be an actress herself. Once... When I asked her why she hadn't become one, she said, Honey, I don't want to ride the train. I want to drive the train. Every Sunday afternoon, when Michael and I had dessert at St. Regis, my mother and a friend had a dessert and a coffee there, too. That way, she could gossip or complain or conduct business, but still keep an eye on me without actually having to be with me. After that Sun, After that... Ah... After the St. Regis, we would cap off our Sundays at Tiffany's. My mother loved diamonds, wore them everywhere, collected them the way people collect crystal unicorns or those weird ceramic Japanese cats with the one paw in the air. Of course, I was okay. Those Sundays, because I had Michael for company. Michael, who was my best friend in the world. Maybe my only friend when I was eight years old. My imaginary friend. End of chapter one. Thank you.